and welcome to All Things Albion, the podcast dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. Please welcome my co-host. Back in 2005, when West Brom drew with Fulham 1-1, he was there and so was I. How are you, John? Hi, mate. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Is that the game when uh, Morris Voltz got taken out by Robert? Yes, that's why I mentioned it. I remembered, yes, that was the one. I believe it was anyway. That 50-50 between Robbo and, and Morris Foltz. And it's on YouTube. Um, and it's absolutely amazing. I think I think the title is Robbo going in hard. <laughs> and it's literally, it's a header, 50-50. And I remember being there watching it happen. And it was like, you could see Robbo. He was stood. and It was, it was more like a 70-30 in Morris Foltz's favour. But you could see Robbo make the decision and just go. And uh, it was absolutely amazing. So, yeah, head over to YouTube and have a look. It's brilliant. But um, the other reason it's relevant is because because of today's episode. Um, Just to give people a quick peek behind the curtain, as I like to seem to say every week now. Um, John is going on a very well-deserved break. Uh, He's going on a little bit of a holiday, aren't you, mate? So we... um, We're not going to be covering the Huddersfield game and then the following game where we do a preview. Uh, we're going to do a blast from the past um, look back um, at a previous season, we'll look at the great escape. We'll be doing an episode, I believe, the week after. Uh, so we'll talk about the previous games and preview the, the upcoming game as well. Um, so we'll have an episode every time, every week, but this one's a little bit different from the usual. Um, we're recording this before John's head off on his holiday. Um, so let's drive straight in the great escape. Uh, what a season it was. With Gary Megson getting the sack, Brian Robson getting the job, the signings we made, Jonathan Green in, Robert Earnshaw. There's just so much to talk about. And obviously the final day, which was just crazy looking back. So let's dive in. Um, just to give people a little bit of a background. So I mentioned our, our manager was Gary Megson. Uh, the season before we finished second behind the um, behind Norwich, who won the league. Uh, I believe, if I remember, we were, were quite, quite neck and neck with Norwich. Um, and then I think we lost to them because the ball hit the referee's back and went through to the, one of their strikers. It might have been Darren Huckabee. I know he was having a great season this season. And they scored. Um, but then after that, I think Gary Megson wanted to play more of the string players, uh, sort of the second string players. And we, we fell off and ended up finishing second. What is your memories of, of that season? Do you remember much about it? The season before we got the season yeah. when we got promoted. Yeah. Um I remember it being quite stressful. I remember um it seemed like we were um it, it wasn't clear cut. It was very much a season where you know you had to really fight for everything you was getting. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was an extremely uh, competitive league back then, the championship was. Yeah. Um, and also, our squad was very odd. It was like we'd we'd um, we'd just we'd come down. If I remember rightly, we'd come down from the Premier League, and we'd we'd retained quite a few of the players that we'd had when we were in the Premier League. Yeah. But they didn't do as well as I think we all expect. I think we expected to walk that league that year with the team that we had because it was almost like our team was was designed for. Yeah. Um, for the championship, you look at some of the players we had. I mean, we had like uh, Sean Gregan. I remember was playing for us at the time. He, there was a few better captains and uh, and sort of holding midfielders in the, in in the, the league by a 
anywhere near as good as him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had quite a good squad for the championship. So um, I think it was sort of the beginning of the end as well. Of I know that we went up and, and obviously we, we went up and we got promoted to the Prem, but you could see the cracks starting to appear with Megson um, at this point, I think. Um, yeah. he, uh, he was doing some odd things. Uh, so those are my overriding memories. He's thinking, I don't know what Mego's up to half the time. Mm. And then obviously the fact that it was a much more difficult season than I remember than I expected it to be before the season, I think. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we, we've discussed the one oh two season, which is the famous one where we picked the walls to the post and, you know, won basically, you know, didn't didn't lose didn't lose any of the last ten games. We we, you know, brought uh, brought that gap back um and picked them to the post a second. And then the the next season when we were in the Premier League, it was almost like a free swing. I don't think anyone really expected us to stop up. So obviously we got relegated. I think we finished second bottom. I want to think that season. But then obviously the the pressure was on the season after because we were back in the championship and we believed that, you know, we were a good championship team. I remember hearing <clears throat> that once in an interview, someone asked Gary Megson which season was more satisfying, the, the 01-02 season or the 0304 season, which is the previous one to the Great Escape. And he said the 0304 season because it was a lot more pressure and it was a lot more, you know, expectation from the fans. So yeah, but anyway, I've talked enough about that season. We finished second behind Norwich, as I've already said. So let's look at the transfers first of the uh, 0405 season. So we had a quite a bit of an overhaul. So just to go through the signings, we had Ricardo Skimmicker, Martin Albrechtson, Darren Purse, Thomas Kuzchak, Jonathan Greening, Zoltan Gira, Kanu, Robert Earnshaw, Janichi Inamoto, Kevin Campbell, Kieran Richardson, and Richard Chaplow. That was the ins. And then and the, don't forget, hang on, don't forget Cosmin Contra. Of course, yes, Cosmin Contra. Um, I don't know, I missed him out. Uh, we'll talk about him in a second. And then we'll talk, and then we've got the outs. Uh, Phil Gilchrist. Daniel Crane, Yus Volmer, Delroy Facey, Tamika McCandwire, uh, Mark Kinsella, Lee Hughes, Sean Gregan, uh, James Chambers and Scott Doby, Lawrence Sigurdsson, Simon Brown, Lloyd Dyer, Lee Marshall, Burns Hass, uh, Rob Hulse, Saku Bertha, uh, Simon Miyoto, Adam Chambers and James O'Connor. So a real turnover of players, isn't there really? Yeah, well, big time. Um, and there was some. There was some really sort of. I mean, I'll talk about the outs first. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some actual baggies legends in there. Well, there legends is, yeah. of my my young life uh, all left us at this point. So, Phil Gilchrist was iconic. Uh, center was a center path partnership with uh, Darren Moore. Um, and he, they were the rock that all of our success under Megson really was built on. Um, used Volmer, you, you you don't seem to remember Used Volmer very well, do you? But he no, was I remember Used Volmer. He was a good player, good player. Used uh, mm. Volmer, good understudy. Obviously, Lee Hughes and what happened there was we won't we won't go into. But you know that was a real shame uh, to yeah. see him going under those circumstances. Sean Gregan, as we say, Sean Gregan. Now, when we signed Sean Gregan, he was one of the highest rated players in the championship at the time. Did Preston we signed you from? Yeah, we did. I think we signed for about a million or one and a half million or something when we got right, first yeah. got promoted. And he was like one of our marquee signings um, when we got promoted to the Prem first time. And I remember being really excited by that transfer because he was a very highly rated player. Um, 
and obviously he left us uh, very quickly. Um, I think Scott he was Dobie. supposed to be, sorry to interrupt you, just to go about Sean Green, I think he was supposed to be a replacement for um, McKinnis. Derek McInnes, yeah. I, th- I think that that was the role he was supposed to take up. Oh, or, he was, or he was supposed to be... You know, a re- not a replay, not like a straight replacement, but a you know a squad player, so that you yeah. could not squad player, but you, so you could have those two as a, in the squad and they could do the same job. But I think Sean mm. Gregan was probably more of a defender than McInnes was. I think McInnes was more of a a true midfielder, whereas I think Sean Gregan really was a defender playing yeah. midfield, especially in the Prem. Um, Scott Doby scored some really important goals when we first got promoted, um, and he had a great song. Uh, Laris Sigurdsson, the best long passer in the history of football, <laughs> in my Mr. Hollywood Pass himself. Um, I don't remember, you know, I don't remember Simon Brown at all. I don't remember that person. Was he a striker? I feel like he was I a striker, but I, I, he didn't obviously make much of an impact. Obviously, we all remember Lloyd Dyer, that goal he scored against Sunderland. Well, no, he didn't, he score, didn't score, did he? No, he, he threw, ran through the whole team. Um, and then and passed it for Kumas to finish it off. Cool as a cucumber. Funny, funny thing on. is, we, we were watching that game on Sky, weren't we? we were, yeah, that's right. We were, the, we were watching it on Sky in the living room at home. Um, and things I can remember is our old man having kittens, watching him running up the line. <laughs> but also, Megson having yeah, kittens yeah. as well. Because you could see Megson was screaming at him. And I think after the game, he said, I was telling him to get into the corner with the ball. You could see it. They, showed, they a showed a manager cam. And you can see Gary Megson going, get in the corner, get in the corner. He said, he just crossed it. And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> because he was yeah, about Kumas? How about Kumas? That finish. That finish from Kumas. I'll never forget that. And yeah, I'll never forget as well. Sorry, I'll never, I'll, ne- I'll just never forget two things about that goal. I'll never forget just just the coolness it took to take a touch under those circumstances. The ball is literally trickling towards him, and instead of just pa- like hitting it first time like you would if he was panicking, he just stopped the ball and just passed it into the net. He didn't even hit it hard; it was just douche, straight into the corner. Yeah, it was beautiful. The other thing I'll never forget about that goal is the reaction of the the, the fans behind the gra- the yeah. goal. Yeah, they were they like, battered us the entire yeah. game, hadn't they? You know, it was it was it was real back to the wall defending for the entire game, and just they a little. Good, go on. They were such a good team as well. Something like that. I don't think they got a hundred points, didn't they? Or something mental. They were like, they were absolutely fantastic that year. They were untouchable. Yeah. So to get a to get a win, let alone a, well to get a draw, let alone a win against them, was a was an achievement that year. It was yeah. Um, but just to and a little personal side note as well. Uh, don't know if you remember this, but our nan was there. Um, and yeah, when we was. were all going crackers. We were all going crackers. And she turns around and goes, Oh, they scored. <laughs> it's like about a minute after all going, Yeah, <laughs> that's just a little personal note. God, God rest her soul. Um, but yeah, yeah, good times, mate. Good Lee time. Marshall, so we're talking about Lee yeah, Marshall. Sorry. He was, uh, he, he was a baggage legend for all kinds of different reasons. Mainly because yeah. of the uh, urban legends that grew up around why him he wasn't getting a team. I've heard all sorts of stuff, but you know, I don't know. He just uh, there was a falling out with Megson, shall we say? That's what we all heard. In so, well, I, yeah, I, I I heard it was a physical altercation. To be honest with you, that's a rumor and complete yeah. conjecture. But yeah, who I knows? Heard that as well. uh, 
Bert Haas, one of the best looking men to ever pull on a football shirt. He was literally, <laughs> he looked lost, didn't he? He just looked completely yeah. lost. It's Can almost like they walking? signed him. They signed him to to do the um, the photo shoot for the kit. Do you remember? He was always him. He was like modelled everything. Well, he was an actual, um, I believe he was yeah, a model. He was a model. Yeah, he was, he was, was yeah. Uh, Robles, when we signed Robles from crew, uh, obviously he's left to go to Leeds United in, in this in this this window. Uh, he was another highly rated player. He'd scored a ton of goals for Crew, uh, but he was playing alongside Dean Ashton at the time. Yes, that's right. And I remember saying at the time we bought the wrong one there, and we had unfortunately. I think Dean Ashton mm. was a superior player. I know that Dean Ashton ended up having tremendous injury issues and ended up retiring very early. But if you look at the, the trajectories of the two people, the two guys' careers, Dean Ashton was the better player there. Yeah. Um, Adam Chambers, him and his brother James, um, you know, they were they were really good utility players for us for a long time. They used to play all over the place. They used to play across the back, fullbacks, really, really good. Uh, James O'Connor, the terrier, he was yeah. he was a strange signing, really, because I think we were quite well stocked at that position. I thought we were when we signed him. Um, mm. We seemed to have a lot of defensive midfielders. Didn't really get that whole signing. So he was yeah, what he was though when he worked hard, you know, good very, at tackling, very hard. but not 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 you know, was, he wasn't a Jason Kumas going forward, shall we say? You know, he wasn't. Yeah. He was a decent player. I think if you look at all those players that we've we've just discussed there, by and large they were championship level players. Um, yeah. They were very good championship level players. But it was a bit of a it was a bit of a of a uh, of a brave move by the club to let those all them go because that's your basis for a that's that was the club saying we don't want to be a championship team anymore we want to be a Premier League team so transfers in you know yeah. this I I still rate this as one of our best transfer windows ever if you actually look at the players that we brought in so Ricky Shimica was a was a was like the Gregan of, of the time. He was an absolutely outstanding championship player or first division player, I think it was at the time. Martin Albrecht, and he was our record signing, wasn't he, at 2.7 million. We'd never spent that that amount of money before. I think he was a bit of a disappointment uh, looking back at him. I don't we quite know. We couldn't seem club. to find a position for him, could we? Because I think he was signed as a centre-off, but did he end up at left wing-back? He was too small. I, th- yeah. I think the problem he had is, is he was ultimately too small in stature. Um, to play central defence, and I think well in the Premier League because the Premier League was very physical then as well. This is something that that people talk about now as though the Premier League is a highly physical league. It's nothing in comparison to what it was in the mid two thousands. It was a big, big hitting league because you'd all the money that had sort of come in in the nineties hadn't in the nineties was kind of like buying British players. Whereas I think in the 2000s is when clubs really started to ramp up set by in foreign players which meant they were picking cherry picking mm. the very best at each position which meant that it became really big physically tall and, and uh, composed like big men uh playing at a really high tempo and it was big big time physical i just don't think he was really designed for that martin albrechtson so he ended up as a fullback if i remember right he ended up as a right back um but he never really did anything that, that his price tag would have You'd have expected no. from his price, though. Especially the Darren Purse. No, no, absolutely. Darren Purse was probably the biggest contributor to goal, own goals in the history of English football. <laughs> I've never seen it. 
There was a joke going around at the time. I remember hearing it. It was like, you know, apparently we're going to have to start marking him at corners, our own, you know, <laughs> yeah, defend, when yeah. we're defending a corner. Defending him to mark him at corners. I've never seen someone <laughs> score so many own goals. The crazy thing about Darren Purse, though, is I remember at the time, Birmingham fans being shocked because I think he was their captain. And he was like, a, you know, a kingpin of their team. And they're all shocked that they sold him. But... For not see why yeah, exactly. Seven fifty grand isn't much. I mean, and then they got Thomas Kuzchak as well. I mean, what a goalkeeper! Well, we ended up uh, selling him to Manchester United, as I remember. That's right. Sorry. Paul McShane and Luke Steele came the other way. Is that right? Yeah. And say? Paul McShane did play for us for a while. Luke Steele was a bit of a backup, but yeah, That's obviously right. Jonathan Green in at one point two five million. What a signing that was in the end. It's just such a yeah. it was a great servant to the club. Zoltan Gira, one and a half million pounds. Wow, like. Gira is still one of the best, most talented footballers I think we've had at the club ever yeah. uh, for 1.5 million. Nwankwo Kanu, I mean, I could talk about him for like... What a signing. What a signing. For nothing. I know. I mean, we talked about it before, haven't we? But I remember watching Sky Sports News, I think it was at the time, and then, you know, these agents saying, oh, we've had offers from abroad and things like that, but West Brom have come in really strong. And it was just like, what? Um, and when we signed him, everyone couldn't believe it. And I remember Gary Megson in an interview. Well, he was he was still in his what? 20s, wasn't he? He was still in his 20s. Then. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was, he was a, you know, I mean, Gary Megson, there was an interview, and this is pure, this is definitely like pure Megson. But um, they said, what does it mean to West Brom to sign Ryan Kukanu? And he said, it's amazing. He said, you know, for the start, you've turned up uh, talking to the press. Um, and he said, it's unbelievable watching grown men, grown, you know, professional footballers sat with their, their legs crossed at the side of a pitch watching Canu basically do all these amazing tricks. And it was a pleasure to watch. I remember watching him against Tottenham and I think we won 2-0. And he was on fire. He scored both goals. And it was just... Um, incredible! It was the famous one where he picked the ball boy up and celebrated with him when he scored both goals. It was can you imagine? Can you can you imagine us now, right, having two players in the team <clears throat> of Carnu and Kumas in the same team? Can <sighs> you having that level of flair? It's just something that's gone completely out of this club. Is that desire yeah. to to pl- play beautiful football? Even then, you know, people people beat Megson over the head all the time with this. Oh, he was he was just a hoof artist. Well, he was the guy who was playing Kumas and Carnu in the Premier League. He was so unaf- unafraid. He ended up getting the sack, obviously. Yeah. But you can't really sit here and say that he was, you know, a safety first manager if he's playing Carnu, Carnu, Zoltan Gira. Yeah. And Kumas on Green as well. You know, yeah. Robert, I mean, Robert yeah. sure. <clears throat> so we'll talk about Carnu, I think, in a bit. Um, yeah. Perhaps. Uh, so Rob Earnshaw was a great signing in the end. He scored so many important goals, and he was a genuine finisher as well, which we hadn't had for ages. He was, he was a bit like a, a sort of um, a light uh, Jermaine Defoe for us, wasn't he? He was kind of always in the right position, and he, he used, usually used to score. Um, I think he was a really good player, and I was really disappointed when we sold him. I don't know where we sold him to. I think he might have been back to Cardiff, but I was I was really disappointed because I think he was a, he was a really good goal scorer and. Um, you know, he scored some important goals, and I, I just think it was a shame. I, I don't know why we got rid of him when we did. Mm. I think one of them things, isn't it? I think 
perhaps it's wages. Perhaps he wanted him too much money to stay. Mm. You never know with these with these sort of things. Uh, Janichi Nemo, we'll talk about Cosmic Contra. Cosmic Contra was just a weird loan because Cosmic Contra, if you're old like me, he was a bit of a champ man legend at one point. Like he used to play for AC Milan. Yeah, yeah. And he was and he was he was really, really like if you were on that game, you wanted to sign Cosmic Contra to play right back, he was fantastic. In reality, he was awful. One of the worst defenders yeah. we've ever had, probably. Yeah. I just think he just couldn't cope. Never played, did he? He just couldn't cope with English football, I think. That's what it came across like. It was like he turned up and it was just it's too cold, it's too hard, and he just couldn't be bothered. Well, I um, heard a rumour, excuse me, sorry, I heard a rumour that he, uh, Megson didn't either know about the signing or want him. And he was actually a piece, Dan Ashworth, trans, um, transaction uh, or addition to the squad. And, and that's why he, he also, he I never played, sorry, he was saying. Uh, Janichi Inamoto, that was a good signing actually. He was yeah. uh, he he brought some. Obviously, he played for Arsenal, uh, and then he'd left Arsenal to go to Japan, back to Japan, and then we signed him from Japan for not good very much. Yeah, he was a good player. He was a bit lightweight um, to play central midfield. I think he probably did yeah. well for Arsenal because I think it was impossible not to do well for Arsenal when the team they had then it was just insanely good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he found it a bit more difficult playing for us. But no, he was he was a good sign in, in a motor. And I think he brought a little a bit of glamour as well. Like him, Carnu, you know, there was some more glamorous players, I think. Well, uh, Kev Campbell, big Kev Campbell. What we'll do what we'll do with Kevin Campbell, Kieran and Richard Chaplow, we'll talk about them during the season if that's okay. okay. I'll come back to them because obviously they made a huge impact um but during well, the season. But they were January signings, so that's fair. That's right, yeah. So, just to run through the squad then, uh, just to familiarise everybody. So, our squad was Russell Holt, Ricardo Skimmaker, Paul Robinson, Thomas Cardso, Darren Moore, Darren Purse, Jason Kumas, Jonathan Greening, Jeff Horsfield, Andy Johnson, Zoltan Gera, Richard Chappell obviously signed in January, Martin Albrechtson, Keir Richardson once again in January, Neil Clement, Artim Sakiri, Kevin Campbell, Ronnie Woolwork, Nuanku Kanu, Joe Murphy, Thomas Kuzchak, Jamiji Inamoto, and Robert Earnshaw. So, you know, without talking about the transfers too much, I think that's a really strong, at the time, Premier League squad. I, I wish we had that squad now. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um, so just to go into the earlier days of the season, just to reel off some results. So we actually went three games unbeaten uh, at the start of the season. We... We drew with Blackburn, Rovers, the Villa, and Tottenham, and um, yeah, it was it wasn't a bad start to the season. I remember Neil Clement being top scorer, <laughs> and he did some interview, and he was like, you know, I don't think it'll last long, but uh, it's good to be uh, doing well. I know in the um, in the season preceding this, when we first went up, the sort of the after the O one, so what would be O two O three season when we were in the Premier League. He had a bit of a shocker, didn't he, Clement? I remember us going 1-0 up against Man United and then he instantly gave it Dave Beckham the ball and he crossed it in for Rude Valley to score. And he, I think he uh, he struggled with the, the bigger platform, didn't he? Because he's a good player. Um, but, yeah, it was good to see him score those two goals at the start of the season. He was funny, Neil Clement, because sometimes he'd, he'd, he'd play and he'd just be world-class and then other times he would do really strange things. But I think yeah. towards the end of his career... He became a really top-notch central defender. I think he would have, you know, you know how he's got the VI nowadays has got um, Callum Callum Connor Townsend, sorry, playing yeah. left centre back. Yeah, Clement was like that. He was fantastic as a left centre back, but he used to play the two. Um, 
And he had to retire early because of his knees. Uh, I believe it was his knees. He was injured. And it was a shame because he'd really gone from... Uh, he blossomed into a fantastic defender from quite shaky beginnings, as you quite correctly point out. Yeah. Mm. I remember him playing for us. I think he was on loan at Hall one season. It must have been, I don't know, you know, 08, 09 or something like that, a lot, lot later on. And he was on loan at Hull and they flew up the league because of when we loaned him to them. And we ended up having him back, um, I think, in the January or something. And he was a really good addition. And he, like you said, he was a good player. And he spent basically his entire career at West Brom. Um, so it was a shame about his knee injuries that ended up making him, um, you know, have to retire. We've got to talk about the Middlesbrough game. Now, I'm doing this from memory, so I might be wrong, but I thought Cosmin Contra got sent off in this game because he handballed it on the line. Am I wrong in thinking that? I don't remember. I don't it's, remember. It's that. so long the, ago. The, 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 game, the only thing I remember about Middlesbrough is, and it was either home or away, I can't remember, Carney was in an absolute yeah, sitter. sitter. Yeah, it was like, literally, yeah. One yard away off the off one yard away from the goal, completely open goal. He put it over. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It was, was that crazy. the home game? Yes, it was the home game, yeah. Um, but Robson was in charge by that point. So let's let's swing back to that. So our results, the first few I mean he didn't get many games in charge, really, Megson. I think he was ten. Seven, eight, nine. No, he didn't ten ten games he had in he charge. Was. I think he'd been. I think financially he'd been backed because if you look at at the uh, you know those signings, obviously we've just seen the signings. You know that just in transfer fees we spent about eleven million, if I remember rightly, ten or eleven million yeah. pounds. So can you imagine that the the ups huge upswing in? Well, look at how many players we had to lose as well for the wage bill. So that there was obviously yeah. players being paid a lot of money uh, in that team, and to you know to be returning one win. When we didn't have a particularly difficult um, uh, run of games either. I mean, no. if you look at the first 10 games, the, the only t- games that you'd have thought were, you know, no, when we're not going to win these games or we're not going to get nothing out of these games is Liverpool and Chelsea. Yeah. Every other game, you know, Blackburn Rovers, Villa, Tottenham Hotspur, Everton at the time, Tottenham and Everton at the time were quite poor sides, Fulham, Newcastle United, Bolton, Norwich City, Crystal Palace, Southampton. So outside of Liverpool, Chelsea, those were the games you'd have expected us to get points and we did, yeah. unfortunately. We didn't get enough wins. Absolutely. No, I think that, that's, that's, a, that's a good point because, you know, we didn't lose many really, but we didn't win any much, much either. So... Um, we sacked Megson on the 23rd of October. We lost 3-0 to Palace, which ends up being his last game. Um, and like I said, 26th of October, he was sacked uh, with eight points on the board. Um, Frank Burrows put, it was put in temporary charge, his number two. He'd been his number two, I think, the entire time Megson was there. Um, so, do you, so do you think Megson sacking was harsh or do you think it was, it was warranted considering the level of investment that he'd had in the squad? I think Megson didn't. Have, if those of you old enough to remember will remember that Megson never helped himself when yeah. it came to uh, the way he was with the board. He, I think, I don't think he was happy. I don't think Megson was very happy to be honest with you. I think we were the, the things were happening that were um, going on behind the scenes, which were which were which were winding him up, like hiring Dan Ashworth rather than. You know, that taking Just the approach him, to transfers yeah. uh, that had been taken previously, probably signing players that he didn't want, 
was annoying him because that's his budget, part of his budget gone. Um, and Peace, him and Peace were really at loggerheads uh, after Jeremy Peace came in. You know, they were there was there was a there was a big thing I think at one point, if I remember rightly, where Megson basically uh, played his card against Jeremy Peace, knowing that Jeremy Peace couldn't do anything about what he was saying. Because he was the golden boy, he was Gary. You know, he was Gary Megson with the fans. Yeah. He knew that if if he knew he was untouchable, I don't think you want to be putting your employer in that position where your employer thinks uh, your employer is going to look for the first opportunity to get rid of you. And I think that's what they did. Um, I think if had he not have been such a problem um, historically for Jeremy Peace, I think he would have probably survived. But I think coupled with the fact that. He had been backed. We'd spent a lot of money. We'd got the players and the squad that we thought would be good enough to stay up in the Premier League. And I think that squad would, would probably stay up in the Premier League now, to be honest. Yeah. With you. If you look at some of the squads that are staying up these days, yeah. there's far more talent in, those, in that squad. Um, I think he, I think it was a completely justified sacking, to be honest with you. Um, I know yeah. at the time there was a lot of people sort of saying, oh, give him a chance. But you only had to look at what happened after to know that that squad was good enough. Say the Premier League, yeah. I think um, just to have a little side note as well, and I've mentioned it before, but Darren Huckabee, um, I can't remember where he was. It might be Man City, somewhere like that. And we, with us and Norwich, both matched what they wanted. It might have been a million pounds. And there's two contradicting stories. The one story is from Matt Gary Megson, who said that Darren Huckabee wanted something like £100,000 signing on fee. And he wouldn't be able to look at his players in the eye. This is what I remember, and this is rumour. I'm not saying this is fact, but this is what I remember. Um, but, was, yeah, so he wouldn't be able to look his players in the eye if he gave him that 100,000. And then the contradicting story, if I remember correctly, was Darren Huckabee saying he was watching Megson on the line when they were playing um, playing the Albion. Um, and he said he was talking to the players like they were kids, like he was shouting and screaming. And, and he said he couldn't play for a manager like that. So what I'm trying to get at is he's... Megson's character was that very much, you know, tough, um, said what he thought at the time, sort of manager, and it wouldn't play well into if you're, you know, if you're the person signing the checks and you're the owner, if he's like that around the place, it's it's not a, you know, a conducive relationship, is it? I suppose. No, that's that's a fair comment. I think and probably a good observation. But the other the other one, of course, is the players themselves. You know, yeah. If you want, if you're going to stay in the Premier League, you need everybody. Everybody on the same page. Everybody pulling in the same direction, and maybe when you've signed players like you've got Kumas in the squad, you've got Zoltan Gear in the yeah, squad, yeah. you've got Kanu in the Kanu squad. In the, yeah, yeah. Are they going to be sort of like put putting up with being shouted and bawled at by some bloke? No, they're going to be like, well, I'm better than this. I can. They're just. Gonna, yeah. I know. I can just imagine. They're much more difficult to manage. So maybe his management style is outgrown. The club had outgrown his management style as well. But I think now I think it was justified. I think it was yeah. a justified sacking, definitely. So um, Brian Robson takes over on the 9th of November. So, you know, almost two weeks, probably two weeks, but in between the two, the sacking and the hiring. Um, a bit of an odd appointment. I'll be honest, at the time, I thought a mm, bit, bit strange because he'd done well at Middlesbrough, but then he'd been at Bradford and I'm pretty sure he hadn't won a game. He wasn't there very long, and he, he really didn't do well at Bradford. So I, Bradford, I thought it was a not Bradford, Bradford were awful, though. Were they? I thought this was when they had... Um, didn't they have Benito Carboni? Had he gone by that point? Yeah, but Carboni was on 60 grand a week then. Yeah, true. 
Bradford wrecked their... Well, Bradford have never recovered. They've never no. recovered. But no. basically, they, they wrecked their entire their entire um, dressing room by having a load... They didn't bother with their, like, supplementing the rest of the team, and they just bought Paolo Di Canio and Benito Carboni, if I remember rightly. Mm. Was it the both of them they had up front? I don't was remember. Me, I remember Benito Carboni. Um or was but, it when he played when they played for Sheffield Wednesday? They were both playing. Up was it, I remember, but yeah, they were definitely Sheffield Wednesday together. There was Ashley. No, I remember now. It was Ashley Ward, and it was um, their strike force was Ashley Ward and Benito Carbone. And I think between the two of them, they were on about hundred grand a week. Um, yeah. Insane. Well, Ashley Ward bought a castle off the back of it. Have you seen the? Uh, you've seen that uh, Real Housewives of Cheshire. Is it no? You haven't seen it? No. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me that gets forced <laughs> to watch these sort of programs. But no, uh, yeah, yeah, they were, they were, they were, they were a good team. But they just, they just, they'd got a good, reasonable strike force. But the rest of the team wasn't very good. But no, like I was with you, hundred percent with you on that one. I, I, I just didn't think it was a good on paper. I didn't really understand why. I thought we could have gone for somebody different, somebody mm. more, somebody with a more proven track record. Yeah, absolutely. I was just having a quick look um, at their squad. Uh, they had Dean Windass in there. Um, but this, to be fair, this is the 0304 squad, so they might have left the season before. But yeah, anyway, odd choice, I thought, at the time. I didn't you know, really understand it, but obviously <laughs> it was the right decision in the end. Um, so, yeah, so he, he comes in. Um, not, a, not an instant upturn in um, results, though. I mean, we still finished bottom at Christmas. Um and obviously the famous one at the time was if you finish bottom of Christmas, you definitely get relegated, don't you? Because no one had ever done it before. Um, and then just to sort of make things even worse, we lost 5-0 to Liverpool on the 26th of December, so Boxing Day. And we were both at that game. We went to our nans afterwards and he was absolutely freezing. I remember Steven Gerrard scoring a screamer and it was just like, what are we doing? <laughs> I remember Michael Owen scoring a hat trick and just toying with us. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was bad to be honest with you. Um, yeah, so we uh, we we didn't have a good time under Robson initially. Got to January, and I think this we can we can probably all agree this is where things started to really turn. We made you know Richard Chaplow was was okay, a good addition to the squad, but the two players that really made the difference was Kieran Richardson. And Kevin Campbell, um, and the other thing that was quite a you know surprising move was he actually dropped Canu. So this player that you know we I think we were paying him forty grand a week. That was the rumor. Um, quality player, you know we would all probably agree head and shoulders above the rest of the players we got probably Bar Kumas, um, and he's dropped. Um, and he decided to go with Campbell and Horsfield up front to big strong hold the ball at work, the defence. And then after about 60 minutes or so, Robert Earnshaw would come on. Uh, he instantly made Campbell captain as well, which I think we can all agree was a good move. I mean, you know, Kevin Campbell was always really good captain material. What did you think about, you know, the January transfer window when we signed Richardson and Campbell? Did you think they'd make the impact that they did? I thought, I thought at the time, being honest with you, I thought Kevin Campbell was way past it. Um, he was about 35, I think, or 34, maybe even older than that. Um, he'd, he'd been absolutely excellent in the early part of his career, in the early 90s, which is 
uh, when he used to pay off front for Arsenal again with uh, Ian Wright. Yeah. Um, they were fantastic. And then in the latter part of his he just when he was at Everton, he did well. But it was it was very much a case for me of, oh, that seems like a strange signing to me, especially when he dropped Carnu. I thought, wow, I don't agree yeah. with that at all. Kieran Richardson, I had no, no misconceptions or preconceptions about uh, Kieran Richardson or never even heard of him. Um, I think, unfortunately, I think the success of that loan was the reason why we always ended. We've now subsequently always loaned players, is because yeah. there's this upside with no downside thing that I think that he really did bring to the table. But yeah, as far as you know, preconceptions is I had no idea who Kieran Richardson even was. Kevin Campbell, I thought was past it, uh, but I was dead wrong. Dead wrong. Mm. I think. Um... I think the masterstroke of Robson with Keir Richardson was he was he was seen as a winger, um, but he actually played him through the middle, didn't he, uh, Robson? And he was just quality, you know, he could run with the ball. He's a bit like Kumas was years prior. Um, I don't know what happened to Kumas. He, uh, I know that him, the, I think it was the season after him and Robson had the falling out and Kumas ended up getting loaned to Cardiff. And do you remember that whole, uh, he didn't go on strike, but it was it was a big falling out and it, it didn't really work. Um in terms of Kevin Campbell, you're right. At the time, it did seem like he was past it, but he came in and did a great job. I'll never forget as well, I'm pretty sure it was this season, we scored a goal <clears throat> and someone shot and it hit Kevin Campbell's foot and went in. And he was offside. And he, But the, the, the really intelligent thing that he did is he didn't celebrate. So the other player, the player who shot, I can't remember who it was, he went wheeling off, you know, celebrating. And Kevin Campbell just stood there and just walked back. And if obviously he would have celebrated, the linesman would have thought, oh, you know, he was offside when he scored that. So just things like that. He was a genius. And like I said, you know, him and Horsfield up front together. Um, I really enjoyed watching it. You know, they worked hard. They battled the defence. It was, it was, yeah, it was a good time. Um, so obviously the second half of the season was a lot more, it was a lot better because we finished bottom of the seat, you know, when we were struggling. Um, so the uh, the games I want to highlight and talk about um, is the the 4-1 win we had against Charlton. Uh, Robert Ernst scores coming on, I think it was about half-time, scoring a hat-trick. Um, I think it was away, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, scored some amazing goals, Robert Earnshaw. Um, and then the next thing I want to talk about, and this is a game that we went to, uh, the Middlesbrough away day. Uh, we set off because they were doing free travel. They did a couple of games uh, towards the end of the season where they offered fans free travel and you could get a bus from the Hawthorns to wherever we're going. So in our wisdom, me, you and our dad decided to go to the Middlesbrough game, uh, which was like, a, I don't know, four hours there, four hours back, something like that, a coach. Um, five, we set off five or six, five, uh, yeah, whatever. It felt like felt like forever. <laughs> so basically, just yeah. set the scene. Let's set the scene. Go on. You leave from West Brom. There's a great escape bike and a bloke just as Steve McQueen. Everybody's right. you know well up for it. Five hours later, you pull up into a car park with base what looks like a levelled industrial estate around you, which is actually Middlesbrough's football stadium yeah. because it back then it just used to it was basically. They'd built a road up to a, a square bit of concrete and then they'd built a football stadium, stadium on it. Yeah. 
And we were like, what? The, where's the river? Yeah. Riverside. Yeah. It's about six miles that way, mate. There's nothing, there's nothing between the river and, and us. It was just yeah. this flat hellscape where you could see this like random boat. And I was like, oh dear. There's nothing to eat, nothing to do. Everybody just milling around the coaches because there was literally nothing around it. And then you go, okay. Let's go into the stadium. You go and sit in the stadium, and it's like a carbon copy of every other football stadium that's been built in the in the two thousands. It was basically Pride Park without the uh, without the plants over the hanging over the front. It was the same as the Rico Arena. Literally, they're all the same. And you're like, well, there's no soul. There's not much soul and sort of uh, history here. And then you proceed to get hammered four 0 Brilliant. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, thanks. it was. It was. It was an absolute hammering really i remember Stuart downing scoring a free kick i think which made it four and it, when we looked at each other it was like oh should we go but it was like where are we going to go <laughs> you know because we've got to wait for the bus and yeah it was a miserable day um the other thing i remember about it is we didn't have long at the service station so we had to grab a big mac and we had to eat it on the coach and like oh you know like trying to eat something while you're traveling and oh, the travel sickness it was horrendous what a, what a horrible day <laughs> so let's talk about happier times after that middlesbrough <laughs> horrible horrible day um we started to get a real resurgence towards the end of the season and we drew 1-1 with villa uh robbo popping up on the 90th minute i'll never forget it Obviously, we were 1-0 down. I think we were away. And the ball bounced through across the six-yard box. So, Robbo just found himself there, headed it in. It was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a great... I mean, it was. I think it was the first time we'd got a, a point at Villa Park in... don't know how long. Like, a long time. 20 years or something. Um, and they were a good team then, Villa. They were sort of regularly finishing fifth and sixth. Uh, and um, they were sort of challenging for the Champions League spot, so it was an excellent result. Uh, but the, the best result was the following week when we drew with Manchester United because of uh, Rob Earnshaw scoring that penalty. Yeah. Well, if I remember correctly, um, they played a little bit of a weakened side because I think they'd, I think they'd already, I think it was the Champions League they finished in that season. I don't think they won the league. They may have, uh, but I think it was Chelsea that won the league. Um, and they didn't really have much to play for. And obviously with, you know, I mean, maybe not, but it seemed like because Robson and Ferguson were obviously, you know, good friends and because Robson used to play under Ferguson. Um, it seemed like they were, he was doing a bit of a favour and they played a weakened team. And I remember we got the, uh, we got the penalty. Um, and I think we were already 1-0 down. And Robert Earnshaw, you know, stepped up and, and he was so cool. But, it was the second to last game of the season. I'm pretty sure everyone else had played and we knew we had to get at least a draw to have a chance of staying up. You know, obviously a win would have been amazing, but it was a draw, you know, a draw at Old Trafford to give us a chance of stopping up. And yeah, cool as a cucumber, stood up, slotted it. Amazing, amazing game. And that was another one where we got a result for the first time in a million years somewhere that we'd never got a result before because Old Trafford then was an absolute fortress. So to get a point yeah. was fantastic. It was like fate intervened there the second half of that season. Every single time we needed something to happen, it happened. It happened, yeah. Yeah. Um, crazy. So we're going to go into the final game of the season now. And this is where it was just unbelievable, to be honest. I know that some people say which is the better season, 
which is the better last day, the 0102 season, which was the first season went up, or the Great Escape season. I'm sorry, but this was the greatest day ever to be an Albion fan because, you know, to come back from where we were. So anyway, let's get into it. So the start of the day, uh, the bottom four looked like this. Norwich on 33 points, Crystal Palace on 32 points, Southampton on 32 points, and us, West Brom, were on 31 points. So basically, I think if I remember correctly, we needed uh, Norwich to lose. Basically, we... I'm, it's simpler than that, Mike. Basically, if we, we had to do, everybody else had to do worse than us. Mm-hmm. Nobody could do the same as us. Everybody else had to do the worst. So we yes. we had to win and everybody else had to draw or lose. That's right. Well, I think Norwich had to lose, didn't they? Because they're on 33. No. No, no it was draw or That's... lose. What about the goal difference? I don't remember the goal difference, to be honest. Everybody had to do worse than us. That was, I remember it. That was that was the simplicity of it. If we won, it didn't matter what, as long if we won, it only, it was only a win if everybody else didn't win. Yeah. So, um, unbelievable. I remember going up the game. It was a lovely day, lovely summer's day, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Real party atmosphere. I don't know if, it's weird, during this season, especially towards the end when it was getting down to the wire. I remember our dad just saying, as long as we can give ourselves a chance. And I remember thinking that, if as long as we can give ourselves a chance on the last day to have something to play for, the at least we're in, in it. So anyway, so final, final day, Norwich end up losing 6-0 to Fulham. So that's that one out of the way. Uh, Southampton lost 2-1 to Man United. Um, weirdly... No one talks about the Southampton game that much. I mean, 2-1 wasn't, you know, a, a thumping. But it was just like, oh, they're playing Man United, they're going to lose. Um, and they did. And obviously, we beat Portsmouth 2-0. But the thing was, um, I remember we needed a goal. It was 0-0. The Portsmouth fans were on our side because they wanted Southampton to go down, didn't they? So they were actually, I remember them chanting, let them score, let them score. And when we scored, they celebrated. It's the one and only time. I think we were in a stadium and all fans were, were for the Albion. <laughs> Crazily. Um, anyway, I remember Jeff Horsfield coming on after so long. And our dad said, it's all lined up for a striker called Jeff. Because obviously the legend that is Jeff Hassel. Jeff Hassel, sorry. Um, and I think that, you know, he was saying, it's all set up for a striker called Jeff. Literally two minutes later, he scores. So we've gone one nil up. Everyone's going crazy. Um, yeah, unbelievable stuff. So, and I think at the time it was 1-1 with Crystal Palace and Charlton. And then after 71 minutes, Jonathan's... No. Sorry, sorry, so no when Jeff Ors- When Jeff Orsfield scored, it was it was on. So when, when Jeff Orsfield yeah, right. scored, we were the only team that was winning we were at the time. And it, we, went, right. we, were, we were ballistic. When Kieran Richardson scored... You'll notice yes. that if you watch the footage, there was a very different response to the to the goal. It was more just like clap, 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 clap. Yes. Because Andy Johnson that, scored a penalty for Crystal Palace, hadn't they? Yeah, so Andy Johnson scored a penalty for Crystal Palace. So they'd gone two and up against Charlton. So we were then down again because Crystal Palace was stopping up. And that was after 71 minutes, so not long to go. And I'm pretty sure, I can't remember, like, you know, this is from memory, but I think Jonathan Fortune gave away the penalty for them to go two one up. Um, so like yeah, John mentioned, you know, when Keir Richardson scored the second goal, it was a bit of a muted celebration because we still thought we were going down. 
And then this is where the sort of real magic happens, I suppose. So we're 2-0 up, we're cruising, Southampton are lost, Norwich are definitely lost, um, but Crystal Palace is the one sticking point. And then Jonathan Fortune uh, pops up, <laughs> I think it was a header, if I remember correctly, to make it 2-2. Yeah, and the funny thing is, back then, this is a blast from the past, there wasn't mobile phones like there is now. Was there? There was no internet on mobile phones. Internet phones were very much in their infancy. So what you had was one guy who was listening to the radio, and he would shout something, wouldn't he? Like he'd say, "Oh, Crystal Palace have scored, or all oh, Charlton have scored." And if you watch the footage, like you know, you said before that man, man, uh, match of the day. I think it's still on YouTube somewhere. Match of the day did a really good job of it because they kept switching between the games, and you can see the Albion fans just start to celebrate. And go crazy, even though there's nothing happening on the pitch. And it's because Jonathan Fortune scored for Charlton. And I remember the um, the Crystal Palace game being the last one to finish. And we're all sat there. The, our game's finished. We're all just waiting to see what happens. Then all of a sudden, everyone starts celebrating. Because obviously that one guy with the radio <laughs> in the entire stadium uh, announced that Crystal Palace had drew and we'd stopped up. So what is your overriding memories of that that, that day, mate? Uh, just nerves, and then I remember crying uh, when we stayed up. I actually yeah. cried like full on uh, tears because yeah. I'd never seen it. I'd never seen anything like it up to that point. I, you know, you got to remember that that was the that was the only to stay in the Premier League. See, felt like a pipe dream to us at the time. We didn't even feel yeah. like we should be there, really, should we? You know, we'd been so. T- I mean, you know, my young life. You know, the sort of the early to mid nineties were some of the most horrendous periods of, of, of being a West Brom fan ever. Um, we were just dreadful. And I mean, sit where you like years. You could just yeah. go up there and just sit, pick your seat. It was a, it was a joke, really. Um, and uh, we were just abysmal, losing to teams like Oxford United, 3-0, 3-1. It was just woeful. Yeah, 3-1, 5-0. Do you remember that? Yeah, and we, we'd had some awful board of directors, very similar to the board of directors we have now, actually, just incompetent, um, awful. And they bled us dry. And in the end, we were just a shadow of our former selves uh, playing in this empty stadium. Uh, so that was, you know, that was the context that I think the younger fans would not understand. They'd probably look at it and go, oh, why are they celebrating so much? Why are they so happy to just to stay in the Premier League? Like, that's no, you know, we, we did that. That was, the Premier League was this ethereal, ethereal place where uh, only the best players in the world played. So to see your team in the Premier League, I remember. I remember the first season we went up. I, I bought the Panini sticker book, and I, because it had West Brom in it, yeah. you know, it was stuff like that. It was so rare to see West Brom in the, in the top division. And obviously, when we stayed up, it was like, as I say, it was this ethereal place that we had no no right to be because every week we were getting beat five nil, three nil, two nil. But no, we stayed there. We got up, and that's my overriding memory: is disbelief. I couldn't believe that we'd stayed up, and I think perhaps. We could do with a little bit more of that perspective now as a fan base, perhaps. I think we'd enjoy it more if mm. we just sort of... Because I think that's what's left our fan base now is is that perspective, I think, of, of perhaps where we came from, that knowledge of where we came from, because, you know, I'm, I'm in my you know in my 30s you know, now, and I, I only just remember us being really terrible. Yeah. So to get to have a vivid memory of us being really terrible, you'd have to be in your 40s. Um, so there's a lot of people who don't even remember us being a really, really bad side. All they remember us being is either a top of the championship side or a mid-table to the bottom yeah, of the yeah. bottom, yeah, mid-table Premier League side. So 
there's some people, Mike, who've never seen us never seen us as anything but a Premier League slash top championship side. They don't even have any memory of us at all. And perhaps that explains a little bit why we're so quick to 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 want to pull the trigger and and be so upset about results and stuff like that. But yeah, that's my over, the overriding memory is disbelief, relief, uh, and just a huge release of emotion. It was amazing. And then when you got home after all that and you were stressed out, your voice had gone and you were knackered. You had one of the best Match of the Day episode, episodes of Match of the Day ever because the way they did it, the way they covered it was just phenomenal. I know you've alluded to it, but it was absolutely fantastic. And it was like everybody was just couldn't believe it, couldn't believe a team had stayed up after being bottom of Christmas, nobody could believe a team had been stayed up that were bottom on the start of the day. That was the other thing. Yeah. We were bottom of the league as on the day of the last game. Um, I don't think you'll ever see it again. It'll never happen again. No. I remember the final whistle going and everybody um, piling in. And, us, you know, I mean, like people used to sit around us. Um, I won't mention their last names, but people like Keith and Martin. You know, we all had this big group hug, obviously with our dad as well. Uh, and other people I don't know, who just everybody piled in in this hug. And I remember looking down at you because you were still sat down. You had your head in your hands and you, like, you said you were crying. And it was just unbelievable. It was honestly, you know, if you... If you weren't there, if you were too young, you're listening to this and you were too young to be that day. I feel like it's 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 sad that we can't somehow, you know, like in VR in the future, somehow revisit that day because it was incredible. It was an incredible day. Um, and it was my probably my happiest memory of being an Albion fan. And like you said, it's a shame in a way as a fan base. We've we've lost that almost. I don't know what the word is like, you know innocent excitement i suppose isn't it just happy to be there um so yeah un- unbelievable times and uh, a great day and um just yeah fantastic just fantastic i mean I, you know a club has to progress you know a club must yeah. progress uh and we we it just didn't take much progression to really impress us then maybe um, I'm not saying that we should all just be thankful that the club exists and never, no, no. never, never be negative. But what I mean is, is it's just, I think we'd all be happier, probably yeah. as Albion fans, if we were, if we had that perspective that we haven't got anymore. And it's no reason. If you've never seen us be a bad team, then how can I explain to you what it's like to watch a rubbish team? It's not very nice. That's all no, I can exactly. tell you. It's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty terrible. But um, the fact that I know means that it's easier for me to sort of contextualise and, and and say, well, you know, we, we might be bad. We might be not not be the best we've ever been right now, but we're certainly not the worst. No. Whereas for some people, we are the worst they've ever seen us right now. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's all I'm talking about. But, yeah, club needs to progress. We tried to progress that season as, as evidence, but, you know, just as a sort of a sign-off. That season was about progression because you saw the... The turnover of players that we that we went through. You saw the sort of the, the way we reached for the stars with some of the players that we signed, like Carnu and, and I know we didn't drop huge amounts of money, but we did invest in our squad yeah, then. Absolutely. And it and it paid off. Um because we stayed up. The following season was not the same season. Um, <laughs> we got renegade. <laughs> I think we expected them to build and they never did. I think not not getting Kieran Richardson back probably killed that season, but perhaps we can talk yeah. about that in another season. But um, it would be interesting to talk about season because it's almost the season that everyone's forgotten because we, you know, we it's went the hangover. Back. It's the hangover. Yeah. You know, it would be, it would be we, good we, to deep dive into that. Sorry. 
because we had such a such a an iconic um, moment the season before, it was always going to be hangover the following season. Um, even if we'd finished seventeenth, how could you top that? How could you top the previous season? It was just bonkers. So uh, yeah, it was a shame that we didn't manage to build on it, but we did. It was always this this period of our of our history was was progression. Was all about progression, actually, small steps, um, mm. and this was one of them. I think this. The, the highlight of our time, you know, this was the stepping stones, wasn't it, to like 2013 when we had Lukaku and, and Peter Odenwingi and things like that. And it was almost, that was the culmination of this time when we really established ourselves. But we'll talk about that on a later episode. So just to sort of tie a bow on this episode, uh, just to give people, you know, a look back at, you know, what happened elsewhere besides the Albion in the Premier League. So Chelsea finished first. Uh, they won the title. Um, Norwich, Crystal Palace, Southampton were relegated. The Champions League spot went to Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United, Everton and Liverpool. Just because of a quick side note, this was the season when Liverpool won the Champions League. They did that amazing comeback against AC Milan uh, in Istanbul, I believe. And um, they won the Champions League. And it was the first time ever a team had finished outside the Champions League spots, but won the Champions League. So there was a big, you know, discussion and debate on what they should do. And they didn't think it was fair on Everton to just, because they finished fourth, to take that away from them. So that season, and I'm pretty sure that season only, they allowed five teams into the Champions League the next season. Um, I think now the ruling is that if, if this would happen now, Liverpool would have took Everton's spot. But at the time, because they didn't know what to do, they just let the five teams go through from the uh, the English Premier League that season. Uh, Bolton Wanderers and Middlesbrough got the UA for cup spots. And this is definitely a blast from the past. Newcastle got the Intertoto Cup spot. Now, the Intertoto Cup, if you remember, uh, was basically the team that applied for it who finished highest so if a team, you know, in 13th applied for it and they were the highest team, they would get the spot. And I think if you won the Intertoto Cup, you would then get a spot in the UEFA Cup, wouldn't you? Uh, which was, yeah, that was a... Uh, that's, I don't think the Intertoto Cup exists anymore, does it? Uh, most, a lot of the old European Cups don't. You don't have... You, the um, the Cup Winners' Cup doesn't exist anymore. That's right. Um, yeah. They got they got rid of them all. They just, they just the Super Cup would still exist. Yeah, that does exist. Yeah, they just piled. They all piled in with the. They, they did the UA. First of all, they did the Champions League, which was just an expansion of the European Cup, and then the Europa League is now an expansion of what was the UEFA Cup. So they've just basically brought more teams into those two competitions. Uh, yeah, and now they're trying to restrict the amount of teams that are in the Champions League and increase the amount of teams that are in the Europa League. It's just, but it, it, yeah, you used to have a lot of European cups. Used, we had the Anglo-Italian Cup, was one that we used to play in. Uh, quite regularly and it was um, I remember we God this was in the 90s we used to we played against Fiorentina we used to play against teams like that occasionally the it was like a bit of a yeah it was like a um, it was like a mid I think it was a pre-season tournament I don't actually remember but we did used to play against these sort of like teams occasionally Brescia I think we there was a legendary away day to Brescia um, I don't know if it was a pre-season tournament or what, but it was it was a cup. It was a European cup, but it wasn't like it wasn't like one that you qualified for. It was just one that you you were in. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You just set it up yourself, basically. And yeah, yeah. It was one. Well, it was good. Um, the top scorer that season was Thierry Henry. 
uh, with 25 goals. Um, I think this was around the invincible period for Arsenal, wasn't it? Um, I don't know if it was this season or maybe a season before or after. Uh, the biggest win was a uh, home win was Arsenal beat Everton 7-0. And that was towards the end of the season as well. So Everton got in the Champions League, but they got thumped 7-0. Uh, and the biggest away win, <laughs> weirdly, was Liverpool beat us 5-0 on the 26th of December, which we already talked about. Um, so thank you very much for your time firstly, John, because it's been really nice to reminisce and go back and and also have a really positive episode (laughs) because i think it's nice sometimes to look back at these things and you know obviously we have our frustrations with the current things happening and and understandably as well you know all fans do so it's really nice to have a change of pace uh, and look back at these these different times um like i mentioned already we will be going back up to date next week i believe Uh, we'll be doing the you know the game, the games, the the current games, and and whatever's happening around the club. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. I know there's been more rumours about Daryl Dyke and and more sort of January transfer murmurs. So I look forward to talking to that. Um, but looking back, mate, what are your overriding memories of the 0304 season? The one before season before. Sorry, season. sorry, 0405 season. <laughs> As I said before. Disbelief, relief, uh, seeing something that we'd never seen before. Um, yeah, it was just mental. It was just one of these unforgettable, iconic seasons. Really. Iconic. Iconic. Yeah. In one word, yeah. iconic. So, yes, just to uh, have a final word, thanks again for your time, guys. Um, if you want to get in contact with us via social media, you can. John, what is our Twitter um, handle, please? It's at allthingswbafc. Uh, and you can be our third follower. So come on, guys, roll up, roll up. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get three. <laughs> uh, I, also- did, I did. I did. I did recently re- catch myself uh, tweeting about the chase. <laughs> no, I Because I, I, I forgot that it was uh, not my, not my uh, personal Twitter. Uh. <laughs> so I'm, still, I'm still trying to get used to the fact that it's not my uh, personal Twitter account. So if you do see the odd strange tweet, uh, well, if you're the, one of the two people, <laughs> uh, just ignore it. I'm, it's just because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can. Uh, if you search for All Things Albion on Facebook, you'll find us there. Uh, we have pretty good discussions and, you know, I think the last one was how would you rate Valerian Ishmael? How you know, what? How would you rate the job he's done so far? We had a good discussion with that. Um, and then any any good comments we usually, you know, mention on the podcast as well. So, and if you haven't got social media, that's okay. If you just want to get in contact with us, you can at allthingsalbionpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, John, thanks again for your time. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Boing, boing. Boing, boing. Thank you.